Hi, I'm Jo. I'm going to be bringing to you today's second Bible reading, which is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. Please read with me. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello, my name's Ollie, and it's time for our sermon now. It would be great if you could keep your Bible with you as we work through the passage, and you can follow along with us. Well, I'm going to pray as we begin. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word spoken to us that we might know who you are. And we thank you for your son given to us so that we might have life. We ask that as we consider your word now, that we might grow in our love for you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, deep down, we all desire security. And now that's the reason that I uh, have this. So this is a homemade baseball bat that I made. I made this and I use it. I keep it next to my bed so that in the night, if someone was to break into our house, I can jump out of bed, I can grab this bat and I can go and defend our house. It gives me security. And now uh, you might have something like this at home or you might have something different. You might have locks on your door, you might have an alarm system. Either way, it's designed to give us security at home. Uh, we also see this desire for security in lots of other ways. We see it, for example, in relationships. That's why, at least partly, we have marriage. Marriage gives us security. It says that we're committed to that other person. We're determined to stay together. We have security in our relationships because of marriage. Or what about contracts at work? They give us security in our job. They mean that we can't be fired at short notice. Or if we are, then we'll get some kind of compensation. It gives us financial security. See, we desire security. And in fact, I think that's at least partly why this coronavirus has been so devastating to us. Because it's shaken our security. It's shaken our, the security of our health of our finances, even the security of our freedom to be able to go out and do what we want. See, deep down, we all desire security. And what we're thinking about today is the greatest security that we could ever possibly have, a security that once we have it, we can't lose it. And now what is this security? Well, it's a security for our eternal destination. Our eternity is safe, is secure. And we're thinking about this as we think about the perseverance of disciples. 
we're thinking about the fact that once we have salvation, once we have eternal life, once our eternal destination is secure, we can't possibly lose it. And as we think about this, we'll be working through a number of different passages, but our main one will be 2 Peter that we had read out for us not long ago, but we'll also look at some other passages. So it'll be great if you could keep your Bible open as we flip. But as we look, we'll see two main points. We'll see that once we have it, we can't lose it. And we see that those who have it always work on it. And so the first point, once we have it, we can never lose it. And now it's worth then kind of pausing and thinking a bit about what it is and what salvation is. And we see it in that passage at the start of our 2 Peter passage. Did you see it in verses 3 and 4? Have a look with me. This is what it says, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these things, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. See what it says? God, in his kindness, has rescued us. He's enabled us to escape the corruption of this world. That is, to escape sin and death. To escape the punishment that it deserves. He did it first through his promise of salvation and then through fulfilling that promise of salvation by sending his son Jesus to come and live and die for us so that if we believe that promise and we believe the fulfillment of that promise, we might escape the corruption of this world. We might escape sin and its consequences. In other words, we might receive eternal life. And the incredible good news of this salvation is that once we have it, we can't lose it. And now, uh, that's quite a bold claim to make, and you might be wondering, well, how can we make such a bold claim? Well, it's because of that other passage we had read out today, John chapter 10. Did you see the incredible good news that, that Jesus tells us in there? Have a look with me. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 29. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. See, we can have such confidence, such boldness, because Jesus tells us he is holding on to us and no one can snatch us out of his hand. Even more, the Father is holding on to us. And I mean, who can steal anything from God the Father? Well, no one, no one can snatch anything out of his hands. Uh, it's a little bit like this. Uh, this is a photo of my son Levi, just born a little bit over two weeks ago. And of course, now that I'm a father, I have to get uh, use him as sermon illustrations. But this is a photo of me holding him not long after his birth. And now, of course, he's not holding particularly tightly to me there, but I'm holding extremely tightly to him. There's no way that he was ever going to fall out of my hands. But not because of how tightly he's holding me, but rather how tightly I'm holding him. And in the same way, it's not about how tightly we hold to God. In that photo, we're the Levi, we're the baby, we're the little one. So it's not, not how tightly we hold on to God, but rather it's how tightly God holds on to us. 
And Jesus tells us he holds so tightly that no one, nothing can snatch us out of his hands. And see, that's why we can have such boldness. That's why we can have such confidence and say, those who have it, those who have salvation, those who are in the Father's hands can never lose it. It's an incredibly comforting and wonderful message, particularly in this time of such insecurity, of such uncertainty, to be told that the most precious thing we have, eternal life, can never be taken from us because we're in the Father's arms. Such a wonderful promise. In fact, it's particularly a great encouragement for us when we sin, when we stumble, when we have a thoughtless word or when we have a prideful thought when we have a moment of envy or a flash of jealousy, when we have an attitude of vengeance or a moment of lust, when we bend the truth or we give into an addiction, it's at those times that this is particularly a comfort because it says to us, even then we can't lose our salvation because it's not about how tightly we hold to God, but rather it's how tightly he's holding us. And so that's why we can so boldly say, those who have it, never lose it. Those who have salvation, never lose that salvation. It's such great security. But if that's the case, then what about those that we all know? I'm sure we all know them. People who claim to be Christians, but no longer claim to be. What about those who seemed to have it, but now no longer seem to have it? I'm sure we can all think of people like that, people we were friends with at youth group or CU, people we sat next to at church every Sunday or we chatted to after the service every Sunday, people we attended the same growth group with for years and years, people like that who no longer acknowledge God as king, who no longer claim Jesus to be their saviour, who no longer profess to be Christians. What about them? They didn't persevere. They seem to have it, but no longer have it. How do we reconcile that with what we hear Jesus say here and what Peter says in 2 Peter? How do we make the two go together? And could that happen to us? Well, in a sense, that is the question we're meant to think about and we're meant to wrestle with. And that's why Peter, in his passage here, continues on and he tells us more. Even though it's not about how tightly we cling to God. It's about how tightly he holds us. Even though that's the case, still those who have salvation will work at it. Not because working at it earns them salvation, but because working at it proves it to be true. It helps us avoid becoming nearsighted or blind. And so in a sense then, to say that we're a Christian who's not working at our faith is to say an oxymoron. I don't know if you know what an oxymoron is. It's a great word, but it's when you put two things together that don't match. And so for example, an honest thief or an open secret. Something can't be a secret and be open or a happy Melbourne supporter. See, being a Christian who doesn't work at their faith is an oxymoron. It's, it's not possible to have that. It just doesn't make sense. See, Peter tells us that those who have it always work at it. They're constantly working to refine and sharpen that faith. Did you see it in verses 5 to 7? See, Peter gives us this big long list of what we're to work on for our faith. Have a look at 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 to 7. For this reason, make every effort 
to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. See, we're to work at our faith. We're to add goodness and knowledge. We're to develop our perseverance and our self-control. We're to grow in godliness and love. See, those who have this, who have salvation, must make every effort to refine and mature it. Why? Well, because if we don't, then we're in danger of becoming nearsighted and even blind. Of forgetting the truth of the gospel, the truth of our salvation. Peter continues, have a look at the following verses, 8 to 9, as he continues on. He says this, For if you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does, does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. I mean, how terrible would that be? How terrible it would be if we became blind to the wonders of the salvation that we have. If we became nearsighted and lost focus on our end destination, lost focus on the salvation on offer. How terrible that would be. But the cure is here. The cure to avoid that is here. Peter says, work on your, on your faith. Make every effort to continue to develop and mature it. He says, if you have it, then work on it. And as we do, rather than become nearsighted and blind, the opposite happens. Our focus sharpens in on that wonderful salvation we have. Our eyes and our hands and our feet are all turned towards the gospel. Rather than become nearsighted, we become clearsighted, clearsighted on the gospel. We realize just how much God loves us. Just how incredible the forgiveness God's given us is. Just how generous God is. And as we remember that, and as that grows in our mind, it helps us to mature our faith. And as that happens, we then make our election, make our calling, sure. We show just how genuine our faith is, just how genuine our love for God is, and just how tightly God is holding on to us. Did you see that in verses 10 to 11? Have a look with me, verses 10 to 11. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. See, those who have it always work on it, because that's how we show our faith is genuine. That's how we make our election sure. It's not that we work to earn our salvation, but rather, once we have our salvation, we'll work at our faith. That's how we show it to be genuine. And so then, what of those who we said about earlier, who seem to have faith, seem to have it, but lost it? What do we say about them? Well, I suspect they weren't working at it. I suspect they stagnated and didn't move forward. And so over time, they became nearsighted and blind. Over time, they forgot the salvation that God offers. Over time, they forgot the offer of a salvation to wash us clean from our sin. Over time, they forgot this wonderful offer and promise of salvation. And so they turned away. But what do we say about them? Did they have faith and then lose it? 
Well, I don't think so. While they might have seemed to have had it, while they might have made a profession of faith at some point, they might have attended church, for, while they might have gone to growth group or youth group or Sunday school, even though that's the case, we know that they didn't have it because they didn't work at it. It showed that that was never genuine faith because those, even though those who have it can never lose it, those who have it always work on it. We're working and we're growing and we're showing our faith to be genuine. But the whole point of this passage, it's not meant to be something that puts this concern in our mind, that makes us anxious and worry, that makes us sit there and think, will I lose my faith? No, that's not what it's meant to be at all. It's meant to be an encouragement, a reminder that when we have it, we work on it. It flows out of us. It shows just how tightly God is holding us. And so as we're making that effort, we have nothing to fear. We know that we will persevere to the end because God is holding us so tightly. Now, of course, there'll be times where we struggle a bit at it. There'll be times where we kind of dip down into the valley and we're struggling to make every effort. But nevertheless, salvation is by grace. Remember, it's how tightly God is holding us. That's what makes us persevere. And so in those times, what do we do? Well, we pray, we come before God, and we trust that he will hold us tight and we will persevere to the end. He will keep us safe to the end. We remember those who have it can never lose it. But nevertheless, we're still to work at it. Those who have it always work at it. And so I want to ask you, in what ways are you working at your faith? In what ways are you working to show your faith to be genuine? And particularly in this coronavirus time, what are you doing to make every effort to show your election and calling to be sure? What are you doing? Well, encouragingly, I know that many in our church are doing a great job of using this time to mature and grow their faith. And I have some in our church who are using this lockdown time to develop their family devotion time. They're really committed to having consistent Bible time together as a family. And so they're reading scripture together, they're singing together, they're praying together. That's those who have it working on it. I know of some in our church who are using this lockdown time to read Christian books. They've saved a lot of time traveling into work or studying at home for uni. And so they're determined to use that time to mature and grow their faith by reading books. That's those who have it working on it. I know of some in our church who are using this lockdown time to really grow and develop in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And so they're praying hard that God would grow them and shape them, give them gospel-shaped hearts and desires. That's those who have it working on it. I know of some in our church who have joined a growth group. They weren't part of a growth group before and they've used this opportunity to join one and to join weekly or fortnightly in fellowship with their uh, fellow believers at our church here and to wrestle with scripture together. That's those who have it working on it. I know of some in our church who are meeting together in their prayer triplets or bigger groups as we heard a few weeks ago. They're meeting together, praying for each other, encouraging each other and doing life together. That's those who have it, working on it. And so great encouragement to see so many in our church that are working on it, working to show just how genuine their faith is. And so I want to ask you, what are you doing to make every effort to make your calling and election sure, to show it to be sure? 
It's worth us all pausing and reflecting on what are we doing to work on it. Now, of course, as we said, there'll be times where we're in the valley and times where we feel it's just so tough to work on it. But in those times, we remember that first promise. Those who have it can never lose it. It's not about how tightly we're holding to God. It's how tightly he's holding to us. And so when we're in those times, we come to God. We remember that salvation is by grace alone. And we trust that he will help us persevere to the end. He will hold us tight to the end. And that's why R.C. Sproul says this about it. It's a wonderful quote. This is what he says. We are secure, not because we hold tightly to Jesus, but because he holds tightly to us. What a comfort it is to have such security. A security far beyond our wildest imagination. Our eternal fate is safe in the arms of God, a God who will never let us down and will never let us go. I'm going to pray and thank God for this wonderful security we have, the perseverance of disciples. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that it's not about how tightly we hold to you, but rather how tightly you are holding us. And we thank you that that is undeniably tight, that you are holding us so close and nothing in the world can snatch us out of your arms. We thank you that we can rest safely and securely knowing that you will help us persevere to the end. You will keep us safe to the end. And so uh, we thank you for this wonderful good news. But we do ask that you would help us to make every effort to show our election to be sure, that we would work at our faith to show it to be genuine, to mature it and to grow it, to help us not lose sight of that wonderful salvation you have, the wonderful truth that you are holding us tight. So uh, we ask you would help us in this way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.